This is Fashionability, your guide to accessible style. Finally, style within reach of everyone. fashionability followers welcome back to the channel it's emily today is the 16th of march 2019 and today marks disabled access day the day is a day here in the uk where various organizations and companies promote accessibility to their disabled audience it's a day that was first started back in 2015 and has grown hugely in popularity since then and has now become a national biannual event here in the UK. Now, a big topic of conversation today will be predominantly around accessibility. So, as a channel which is dedicated to accessibility and fashion and beauty, we asked our followers to discuss the matter of is the fashion and beauty industry as accessible as it could be? And the short answer is no. And interestingly, some of our followers and contributors from the past had some really insightful views to give on the matter of access. And today they join us to share their thoughts on how the fashion and beauty industry can become more disability accessible. So today, myself and Laura, joined with some of our other contributors and listeners, are going to be talking about accessibility for Disabled Access Day. So without further ado, let's get started and let's talk about accessibility. Now, the first person we are going to be hearing from is, of course, my wonderful co-founder, Laura. Laura is going to be talking about today how she feels as a blind woman, the beauty industry needs to change to adapt to make its industry more inclusive for visually impaired people and her views are going to be specifically talking about colour. So Laura, over to you. What do you have to say on this topic? Hi everyone, it's Laura. Thank you Emily for the opportunity to participate in your Disabled Access Day program. As you know, I have a great deal to say on the topic of how the beauty industry could make their products more accessible for people with disabilities, so I will limit the scope of my comments to color cosmetics and how color could be better presented for people who have low or no vision. As a person who's completely blind, it is imperative that I receive complete and accurate information as to what colors I am buying and applying. While most manufacturers do a fair job at providing meaningful color names, other manufacturers opt instead for cutesy marketing names that really do not indicate in any meaningful way what the color actually is. If a manufacturer describes their palette colors as creamy ivory, soft yellow, cool taupe, or rich brown, at least I have some idea of what the color is. However, in the product description area, it would be great if some additional information could be provided. For example, if a color is warm or cool, if a color is matte or metallic, if a color is light, medium, or deep. As I said, many manufacturers do a pretty good job, but when, for example, a company calls a cool metallic taupe vivacious, 
or some other meaningless marketing name, it doesn't help someone who has vision loss determine exactly what color they are purchasing. Even if a person has usable vision and could see a color swatch, often photographs are inaccurate. The lighting used for promotional photographs can often strip the subtlety from a depiction of a color. If a color is a metallic, pearlized, satin, matte, glitter, or duochrome, it's often very difficult to discern this simply from a photo. Additionally, not everyone's monitor is calibrated to the exact same degree as everyone else's. So a photograph of a palette color that looks purple to one person may look blue to another, and everyone perceives color differently. Even if a person isn't colorblind, not everyone sees color exactly the same way. So a thorough, complete, and accurate, meaningful description of colors would be very helpful. Now, I understand if a manufacturer wants to choose a cute marketing name. After all, they probably invest millions of dollars into dreaming up appealing color names. There are companies that exist only to help businesses find appealing marketing names. So I can understand why, especially in the beauty industry, that this is important. Because in the beauty business, marketing is everything. In addition to meaningful color names and thorough color descriptions, I would also like to see some way to determine where in a color palette a particular color is actually located. Again, some manufacturers are great about printing text and labeling each individual pigment pan as it's situated in the palette so you know what color you're picking up. On the other hand, there are some manufacturers that, because they invest a great deal of money in creating beautiful palettes, components, compacts, and containers, they don't want to print unsightly text that destroys the aesthetic of their product. So in some cases, you have no idea what colors are exactly where in a palette. So it would be great if there was some way that a user could map what color is positioned where. Some palettes or compacts actually do have a little diagram on the back, and it'll tell you which pan contains what color. But I can tell you from personal experience, they're not always accurate. Some are even flipped backwards. So if a manufacturer isn't going to print the color name on the packaging or the palette or compact, then I would like to see them insert some sort of color map that shows you exactly where, in what position, a particular color is located in the palette. After all, I don't want to place green eyeshadow where I think I'm supposed to be putting taupe. Failing some sort of insert... Another option I would suggest is placing a color map somewhere on a website or app of the manufacturer or the retailer selling that particular 
palette so that a customer could go to the website, pull up a product map, and determine exactly in what pan what color can be found. So from left to right, top to bottom, however they have the palette arranged, a person could determine that in pan number one, in the top left, you have color A, to the right you have color B, to the right of that color C, and so on, so that every consumer can know exactly what color to expect in one particular pan. Finally, failing all of that, it would be great if the customer service representatives who work for that company, whether it's the actual product manufacturer or the retailer, could have access to some sort of color map so that when you call customer service, they can tell you over the phone by pulling up a photograph and a corresponding color map to which color is positioned where. In fact, I had to do this just today. I received the two-faced Tickled Peach Mini Eyeshadow Palette, which consists of only eight colors, but I had no idea where each color was situated in the palette. So I called up the retailer from which I purchased the palette and asked them to pull up a photo and describe to me which colors were located where. Fortunately, they also had a swatch list, and the swatches were placed in the exact locations that the pigments were located in the palette itself. So they were able to tell me exactly which colors were where. So my wish list for disabled access day for the beauty manufacturers would be meaningful color names, thorough and complete color descriptions, better packaging and product labeling, and finally, providing some sort of insert or color map online or with customer service so that we could call and get a description of the colors and where exactly they're situated in the palette. Well, thank you so much, Laura, for your very insightful and extensive views into the matter of colour accessibility in the beauty industry. And I think that's a matter that we all as visually impaired people can agree on. But now I want to move over to someone who has a physical disability. And we are going to be next hearing from blogger Jem Turner. Now, Jem is going to be talking about her experiences and views about how the fashion industry can adapt by making more accessible changing rooms. So, Jem, what do you have to say? One way that I think we could really improve the accessibility of the fashion industry is looking at changing rooms within the high street stores. At the moment, you're very lucky if you get a clean, spacious room, and that's just a bog standard. Whereas I think we could really look at places like changing room toilets have changed people's experience of shopping. But why can't we bring that into stores as well and get proper changing tables, maybe get a hoist there and just making it so that people can actually go shopping as you want to do, pick clothes that you might want to try and try them there and then rather than getting the clothes that you'd like to try and trying them at home because the store's not accessible for you to try them. 
Well, thank you very much for that, Gem. And I will also agree, I definitely think that more changing rooms need to be adapted to become more disability accessible. Now we're going to be hearing from another blogger, and it's the turn of Ellen Williams from the blog My Blurred World. Ellen is a listener and she is also visually impaired herself. Now, Ellen is going to be talking about how she feels the fashion and beauty industry can become more accessible by making both their websites and their product design more disability friendly. So, Ellen, over to you. I think one of the best things brands could do to better accessibility would be to provide better descriptions on their websites and make their sites more accessible in general. It can be so frustrating when not much detail is provided or when the website is inaccessible with a screen reader or assistive technology. It doesn't give us that freedom we deserve when wanting to shop online independently. Also, having things such as braille labels on products and more distinctive packaging would be so beneficial so we don't have to label things ourselves. It can be so easy to mix up what products we're using because the packaging can be so similar. I think there's definitely a lot that can be done in order to better accessibility, but I guess it's all about raising awareness and making sure that brands are aware of these things. Now, another blogger who, like Ellen, has similar views when it comes to matters of how fashion and beauty brands can adapt to become more inclusive for people who have visual impairments is blogger Holly from the blog Life of a Blind Girl. Holly is specifically going to be talking about her experiences of how brands can become more inclusive by making sure that their websites are compatible with screen readers, but also how more products need to be more user-friendly for people who have visual impairments. So, Holly, over to you. It would be great if brands use distinct packaging so that you can identify a product just by its feel. As a blind person with no useful vision, I often have to label products in my makeup collection so that I can identify them easily and know exactly what they are. It would be fantastic if brands put detailed descriptions of products on their website. This would make online shopping independently so much easier. Leading on from this, I wish they would endeavour to make their websites fully accessible to blind and visually impaired people. As a screen reader user, I come across websites that aren't accessible. This is very frustrating and time consuming. Having an accessible website can make all the difference. Now, another blogger we're going to be hearing from today is Luke Sam Salden. Luke is an avid listener of our channel and we thought that we could not have an episode on this topic without him. Now, Luke is going to be specifically talking about his experiences of how more beauty brands need to make their packaging more distinctive for visually impaired customers. So, Luke, over to you. What do you have to say? I think that brands could be a little bit more accessible if they start to use a different styled packaging across their products. For instance, I have a brand that I really like called The Ordinary and unfortunately all of their products come in little glass dropper bottles which is all well and good until you have five or six of them like I do and you can't really tell which one is which because the labels are also in really really tiny writing. I'd also really like it if brands started to describe their colours more. I really like how Laura describes her in her post. But it's it's very awkward when you're looking at a colour and it just says blue. It's very difficult to decide whether that's light blue, dark blue, or just a, a general shade of blue. Another person we're going to be hearing from today is one of our listeners by the name of Joanna. And Joanna is going to be sharing her thoughts on the topic of shoe design and disability accessibility. So, Joanna, over to you. As a person who is able to walk but has extreme difficulty doing so safely, my biggest fashion gripe is the lack of disability-friendly shoes. 
I mean shoes that are fashionable, the kind that any woman might like to wear, but with flat, rubber-soled bottoms. Even in today's world where we've made significant progress in dealing with disability, a woman going shoe shopping mainly finds two distinct categories, cute but with high heels, intricate laces, or other obstacles, or sturdy and practical but the kind that automatically bring to mind someone's 90-year-old grandma. We really need to make some progress on this front. Now, the last person you're going to be hearing from today is, of course, me. And I have some views on the topic of store accessibility and disability awareness when it comes to the matter of making fashion and beauty companies more disability inclusive and accessible. So here are my thoughts. I think one of the big ways that stores can be more accessible for people who have got different disabilities is to actually look at the layouts of their stores and to think about how much space they're providing for people with different mobility disabilities, to think about things like lighting and if the lighting is very harsh or too dark, to think about how loud the music is and is that going to affect someone who has a sensory or a cognitive disability. And to also think about things like staff training, to think about how they are displaying their items and how often they are changing things around and just just make things a little bit more easier to negotiate and a little bit more of a calmer atmosphere for their disabled shoppers. Because that is one thing that I think that a lot of different disabled people could benefit from if shops were a little bit more accessible and just user friendly in general. So that concludes today's podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it and you found it interesting. A massive thank you to everybody who took part in today's podcast. Also be sure to share your own views on this topic on how you think the fashion and beauty industry can become more disability inclusive and accessible via the comments below or via our social media, all which are linked in our website and will be mentioned at the end of this podcast. If you would like to show support to us, you can do so by simply sharing this podcast to help raise awareness of this topic. Thank you so much for listening and we will see you all in our next one. Thank you for listening to this Fashionability podcast. We hope you enjoyed this recording. For more of our episodes, you can visit www.fashionabilitychannel.com. We podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Blueberry... TuneIn Radio and Amazon Echo. If you would like to contact us or you have any queries, you can email us at fashionabilitychannel at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter under at Inclusive Style. Follow us on our Facebook page by searching Fashionability Channel. You can also find us on Instagram under at Fashionability Channel. Thank you for listening.